Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax, and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Hey, 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 and welcome to installment number two of Where Are They Now? We are excited to talk to our special guest tonight, but before we get to that, let's bring in that lovable co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane? What's happening, Chuck? I'm fired up for another episode of this series, man. It's I've been hearing some stuff from from some from, from some friends of mine who listened to the interview with Colin Cargill last week and they really enjoyed it. it. You know, I think everyone enjoyed listening to it about as much as we enjoyed doing it. It was a good time. Absolutely, man. And you you have actually a pretty special guest, pretty cool guest for us tonight. So I'm going to let you introduce him. Oh, yeah, man. I dug back right now. And I'll be honest with y'all, I dug back and found one of my all-time favorite pitchers at Southern Miss. I I, uh, I contacted him, I guess it's been about two weeks ago, and asked him to come on the show, and he was willing to. And, guys, I've been fired up about this one for a while ever since then, guys. Tonight I'm bringing on number 10, Todd McKinnis coming back to coming to the show here and going to talk a little golden eagle baseball so todd welcome to the show man man i appreciate it thank y'all for having me how about them golden eagles how about them how about eagles welcome man eagles? Yeah. Uh, i'm i'm fired up about and guys as we're recording this we're recording it right before the Ole Miss series. Hopefully, we're getting prepped up for Omaha right now by the time this thing mm-hmm. airs. Ain't no doubt. True story. So, yeah. And, Todd, I saw you at the games and the, at the regional games. You found your way over there. It was good. I got to see Todd over there. And you had Adam with you and some oh, other yeah. folks, too, huh? You had a good time. But we had a little reunion. I went down to the uh, – the roost and i swear you see every baseball player from 2000 to last year there's people i ain't yeah. seen in so many years it was a fun experience i haven't been down to the roost very often but man what a special place very special it, it, place really special that players get to just come back and do that you know I'm it's really you. cool all right well todd we got some general questions we like to ask our guests here okay. uh and uh i'll get us started here with Asking the first one, why did you choose Southern Miss? Uh, you know, my recruitment was kind of a unique experience. I went from being a sophomore throwing about 80 miles an hour to one summer going into my junior year, I bumped up like eight. And I'll be honest, I don't have a clue how it happened. <laughs> uh, when I tell people nowadays, I said, well, most of the time it's that's God-given. And, and that's what mine was. So my recruitment kind of happened pretty quick. Uh Went on a couple visits to a different place, different places, and ended up taking my visit to Southern Miss. And what a weekend it was, man. And after talking to Coach Palmer and Coach Barry, even though I had talked to him on the phone before, I just knew that was the place I wanted to be. And the funny thing is, you know, we got done talking and they offered me a scholarship whatnot. And me and my parents were on our way home. And I don't think I got to McGee before. I just I just told him, I said, I already know what I'm going to do. This is the place I want to be. These are the coaches I want to play for. And my dad dang turned the truck around right there, and we drove all the way back to Hattiesburg, went back into their office, and I committed to him right then. I didn't need any more time. 
I knew exactly that was the place I wanted to be. And I wanted to make sure that I told them that day. So we turned around in the car and we went straight back and I committed to him right there on the spot. That's awesome. Man, what a cool story. That oh, is. I know. I'm telling you. I know it meant a lot to them too, that y'all turned the car around and came back. Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, they were on me more than anybody. They talked to me more than anybody. They made sure I was, I was staying in touch with them. So, I mean, there was a connection there immediately, especially with the coaching staff. So I just, after talking to him in person and seeing the facilities, going to a football game, Hattiesburg was just a special place to me, and I knew it from the start, man. Awesome. That's awesome, Ty. We're, we, we were glad y'all turned around and came back that day too, <laughs> man. That. I, I promise. Yeah. Um, our next question is, uh, I mean, other than the obvious, if you, if you have more than one, what is your – Favorite Southern Miss moment? Uh, yeah, the obvious one's obviously going to Omaha. Um, but even before that, those, the regional um, at Georgia Tech, when we finally got over that that hump, uh, and then Gainesville, man, what an electric atmosphere that was. And just that the way it happened, turning the double play to end it. I'm telling you, I'm more of a – you're not going to meet more of a superstitious person than me. So that last <laughs> inning, I didn't even watch it. I went down to the – the bullpen, the the batting cages. I didn't watch anything. I don't think Once Corky I, watched it either, did he, Coach nah, Palmer? I think he, yeah. half the time, if you look over Coach Palmer, he's got his head in his hand. He's yeah, <laughs> shaking his head. He doesn't want to watch. And I'm pretty much the same way. I didn't. Even, I didn't think I watched the last out, but I saw everybody running, so I knew what had happened. But um, one of the special ones for me was my senior year. You know, I've thrown for four years, actually four and a half, not throwing one complete game at all. So we were at the conference tournament. Over here at Trustmark, I think it's against Tulane. I'm not real sure, but I look up and it's the eighth inning. I've got one or two outs, and then Doliak comes up to me and says, "Man, you really about to do this?" I'm like, "Man, I hope so." And then I get the final out. He's the first one out there. Then you got Colin, all the guys that I grew up playing with this past four or five years. And what a special moment that was to look back and I mean, all the games that I pitched in that I finally gotten over that home to where I got nine complete. So that was one of the special moments for me to be able to do it with the three guys that I came in there with. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember uh, one of the most memorable moments for me watching you pitch was a conference tournament where you pitched against Rice. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was the championship game. And man, mm-hmm. you just, you went out there and you were battling. And I can't, I can't remember what the outcome of the game is. The only thing I remember about that was, it was you. It was Anthony Rendon for them, and y'all were going. Y'all were like trading blows, man, back and forth like boxers. And man, I can't remember who won, but I remember you went toe to toe with them, and I was really impressed by your outing that day. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember who won, uh, but one of. The, I mean, that's one of the guys you'll never forget playing against, and. I mean, I think everybody's going to remember that because just I think a couple of weeks ago you see on Twitter where he turned around left-handed, hit a bomb in a major league game, and then five minutes later I get a text from Coach Harrelson, who was the volunteer coach. He goes, man, he used to get that guy out. Maybe he was hitting the wrong way. I'm like, <laughs> Maybe. I don't think he's hitting the wrong way. I think he hit about four home runs off of me throughout his career. But, what? man, what some battles What some battles we had for sure. What a great, oh, yeah. what a great, what a great baseball player. So, Todd, I always like to ask our guests here, what was your major in school? I was actually a business major and looking back, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> you know, I, I'm sitting here in economics, accounting classes, not knowing what the heck I want to do with the rest of my life, knowing I wanted to play baseball for a little bit longer. Uh, my parents were both teachers. My dad was a coach, so I thought that might be what I wanted to go into, but 
I kind of wanted to be my fallback plan. I'd like to get a degree in something else. That way, if coaching doesn't work out, at least I'll have that to fall back on. But I got half my master's done my senior year in sports management, and then the rest of it done while I was doing pro ball. Um, and then I ended up going back and getting my alternate route, teaching the license, and then that's where I am now. Awesome, man. Good deal. And you, and you've got a, you've got a, a beautiful family too, huh? You're you're married with what is it? Two daughters. Two little girls, three and five. We got Stella Rose is five. Sophie Reese is three. Man, I'm just a girl dad, trying to figure it out <laughs> as I go. <laughs> Are they gonna play softball? You know, I thought I don't know what they're gonna do. One yeah. of them likes gymnastics. I don't. I, personally, I don't want them to play softball just because. Their season's going to be going the same time mine is, and I want to be oh, able to watch true. as many things as possible. You know, right. volleyball is big around here, and I absolutely love watching that sport. So, God willing, one of them will like volleyball, one of them likes gymnastics. I'm sure I'll just be spending money left and right on something different every year. Something different. <laughs> well, you need to – I don't know if you remember Kelsey Seymour. She played volleyball at Southern yeah. Miss. She's like mm-hmm. – Big timer, but she's the coach at William Carey now. She does camps yeah. all the time. So okay. maybe yeah. send her over there, see if Kelsey can get her involved. I ain't no doubt. That'd be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. So Todd, remind us where you're coaching at now. I'm at Brandon High School over here. I, I graduated from Northwest, so here I am coaching the rival school. Uh, just finished uh. my ninth, ninth year, going on 10. Had a pretty good year this year. We played for South State, ended up getting beat by Northwest, and they ended up winning it all. Um, but we had a great team. They competed well. And, uh, you know, I just enjoyed doing what I'm doing, trying to impact young people's lives and, and trying to leave them better than I found them, man. That's awesome. We need more people like that in the school system. Yep, ain't no doubt. Sure. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we can uh, move on to the kind of fun, specific questions. Um, one of the first ones I have for you, Todd, is, you know, one of your most, I guess, for me, one of your most memorable starts was against Alabama at Trustmark Park in Pearl. Uh, I think you took a no-hitter into the seventh or eighth inning. Do you remember mm-hmm. anything from that start? I remember a lot from it. Uh, that was my first freshman year, first time coming back, throwing in front of the home crowd. Uh, and that place was packed, man. I had people I had people and family and friends from all over the places there. And, uh, you know, as a pitcher, it doesn't happen very often where you got everything clicking, but that was one of those games where I felt like everything I was throwing was exactly where I wanted it to be. Uh, Change-up was working well. Fastball slide was working well, keeping guys off balance, and dang, the defense just played great. And I just – it was a special moment coming off uh, after I gave up my first hit. I think it was a bleeder that got past Dozier, which not very many things got not past many him. got so. past Dozier, yeah. Yeah, so he took me out, and I think Coach Palmer was going to have a tough situation, tough decision either way if I had kept going through the night because my pitch count was through the roof. But I remember the curtain call, being able to walk out in front of the home crowd and just uh, tipping my hat to him. And I'll never forget that moment right there because it was the first time being able to come back home and pitch in front of the crowd being a freshman in college, and it was just extremely special. Exactly, and I, if I remember right, you got a standing ovation from just like almost every person in Alabama, Southern Miss. Like it was yeah. a masterful performance. It was, man. It was awesome. I'll never I, forget it. I remember the hashtag from that game was "Roll Todd Roll." <laughs> uh, back, back when Twitter was taking off, man, that's all yeah. we are. Yeah. yeah, roll Todd roll for sure. Um, it was it was incredible. That's all. well. You mentioned your your pitches there. What was your favorite pitch to throw? My favorite pitch was for sure the slider. It's what got me through high school. And, you know, the biggest difference between high school and college is I'm throwing a slider 54 feet in high school and 
90% of the guys are swinging at it. So that was my biggest adjustment once I got to college is you're going to have to fill it up in the zone or otherwise they're just going to spit on it. So that was a learning curve for me, for sure. That whole fall was just trying to get it to do how I wanted it to do, but got to be around the zone, look for a strike for a little bit longer than you did in high school. So developing that a little bit further once I got to college was, was very, was very important for me. And it ended up still being my favorite pitch through to throw throughout my career. That's awesome. All right, Tom, my next question for you is, uh, it's kind of a funny one. Tell us your favorite type of bubble gum. Rumor has it it's cotton candy. That that is true, and <laughs> that is pretty funny. Uh, um, Colin and myself, not sure when this happened. I can't tell you even what year it was, but from the moment it happened, it happened every other every start from then on. Um, I don't know. We went to a gas station. I started chewing uh, cotton candy bubblegum, I guess, before a start. And it must have been a good one because from then on it happened. And Colin knew exactly what he had to do. Uh, he had to <laughs> unwrap it. And if he messed it up, he would throw it in the trash and give me another one because he knows how superstitious I am. And I ain't going out there unless it was presented to me in the correct fashion. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, one time before the conference tournament, I think it was my senior year, we ended up not having one about 45 minutes before the game started. Luckily, my friend was in town. He went to the gas station, got us one, and all was well after that. But I'm superstitious, and if something's working for me, I'm going to keep doing it over and over again. I can promise you I'm not going to change anything. But that, it's only crazy if it don't work, ain't, right? Ain't no doubt. I don't care what it is. Right. I don't care how stupid it looks. If it's working and it's helping my team win, then I'm going to keep doing it. Right. We keep doing it. Well, did you have any other superstitions? So, pretty funny. Uh, I did the same thing before every start. So, my stretching routine, all that type of stuff. But most starters before a game during BP, they're just going to sit inside the whole time, kind of get their mind right. But the more I sat there and more I saw, thought about stuff, I'd rather just get outside, get to moving. So I would go out there during BP and I would have to catch 10, ball, 10 balls in the air. Couldn't be on the ground. It had to be in the air. And then you got little Garen Berry running around out there who was, I don't know how old he was at this time. He was probably seven or eight. But he did not want me to catch him. He wanted me to stay out there for a long time. So me and him are sitting out there in the outfield fighting over fly balls over and over again. And then I finally catch my 10 and be like, Garen, you got it for the rest, buddy. And I'd go back in there, and then I'd start getting my mind right. But it was just one of those things that kind of just helped me stay relaxed, stay loose, so I wasn't just in there thinking about stupid stuff. Um, but that was one of the things. It was the same routine, no matter if it was on the road or at home, that I would keep continuing to do throughout my career. Do you chew, do you chew cotton candy bubblicious before you coach a game? No, that's kind of gone away. Now, whatever I'm doing – and it was just the same. And it was always cotton candy bubble gum in college. But the thing was, as soon as it lost flavor, it didn't go nowhere. It stayed in my mouth. I don't have to finish no matter if I came out of the game or not. I was keeping that gum in the entire game because the moment I threw it wow. out, stuff would start going south. So, I mean, superstitions is, is through the roof in my family. So, uh, I don't have any superstitions that I have while I while I started coaching, not that I know of. Now, I'm sure I'm still early in my career. By the time I get to 30 years, I'm sure I'll have something to come up. I'm sure you will too, man. Yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, uh, Blake and Rod have been kind of swapping in at, out at catcher this year. But if I remember right, Graves and Maxie swapped out a lot mm -hmm. in 2009 um, and throughout their career. What Give us some of the benefits of pitching to each catcher. Or did you prefer one over the other, or did one read your mind better? You know, for me, 
being a pitcher, a trust factor in the catchers, it's a big deal. Knowing that I can bury a slider at, at 58 feet and he's going to block it up with a guy on third base, you get into a, a connection with the guy you're throwing to, and it, it's big. And for him or for the catcher, it's you know what my pitchers are going to do. You've caught me over and over again. You know how I like to – like to pitch certain guys. And for me, I don't remember necessarily throwing to Kyle Maxey all that much. Um, I do remember throwing to Graves a good bit. Now, Graves was my roommate in college. So we were on one of those bases to where he knew what I was thinking. I knew what he was thinking. The moment he came out, walked to the mound, I knew he was going to have something dumb to say. Uh, it's one of those things where we kind of read each other's minds and I was comfortable with him. He was comfortable with me. Knowing we can say whatever we want to each other, knowing the situations. Right. You get into a relationship with your catcher for sure, and I think it's a it's a big deal. Would he come out there and have just funny conversations with you ever just to get your mind off of it? You know, I don't know how familiar you are with Travis Grace, but his favorite word was tiny. So every time he'd come out there, he'd be like, tiny. What the, what the hell are we doing right now? And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. I said, go get your big butt back behind the plate. And you just catch what I throw. And we'll just go from there. But, you know, Gray's got a great personality. He's, he's always yeah. trying to, to lighten the mood, um, kind of take your mind off stuff when it's in a tight situation. So he was good at that. Um, sometimes he'd come out there and get pissed, but he knows I'd give it right back to him. So that was the kind of relationship we had. But, but yeah, he was, he was one of the best I've thrown to. Iron sharpens iron, That's man. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Ain't no doubt. Uh, well, uh, you know, before we get to the College World Series, walk us through that Atlanta Atlanta regional. If I remember right, and I'm, I'm old to so my memory's fading, you came in a few innings in that decisive game, and, you know, you kind of held them to one hit over four or five, six innings. I can't remember exactly, but am I right? Yeah, you're right about that. But there's a reason yeah. I was able to do that, because the first game against Eli didn't really go as expected. Um <laughs> You know, we came into it uh, thinking it was going to be a good matchup, but also knowing that they've hit a bunch of home runs throughout the year. Right. I, think, I don't know if they were, I think they led the nation that year, didn't say, they? I know it was either leading the nation or in top three. Well, I yeah. got there in the first inning. I think I strike out the side. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be – we're going to be able to have a good day. Well, from that point on, I don't remember what the score was, but I don't think I lasted much longer. And I think the score ended up being like – 18 to 15. I'm talking about every yeah, other was, pitcher that yeah. came in for them, every other pitcher came in from us. They were Everybody was just lighting the ball up. So it didn't start how I wanted to, but we got to that last game against Georgia Tech. And I had told Coach Palmer before it started, I said, you may not want me to pitch, but when things start going south, if they start going south, my cleats going to be laced up and I'm heading down there. I'm going to throw whether you want me to or not. You just give me a signal if you want me to go in. And it ended up happening that way. You know, it's one of those things where you try to do the best you can for as long as you can to give your team a chance to win. Right. And uh, I went out there, and the great thing about that day was the changeup was really working. And I remember, I don't know if it was bases loaded with two outs or their best hitter up. Might not have been bases loaded, maybe in second and third, but it was a big moment. And I threw a changeup on a right-on-right changeup, which I think is probably one of the best pitches in baseball. Wasn't necessarily very good at it, but on that pitch – I put it in the right spot at the right time, and he swung through it, and I got out of the inning. And I think that kind of shifted me for giving me adrenaline for a couple more. But what an experience that was, man. Being able to come in and just kind of hold the rope for the guys to to come through there in the end, um, it was incredible, and I'll never forget it. That's awesome, dude. 
Awesome. Well, you know, you mentioned Corky Palmer. What was it like to have Corky Palmer as a coach? Were you the type of player, you know, that responded responded being yelled at, or did you like the dad approach, or was it kind of a combination of both? You know, it's it's a kind of a combination. I grew up with a dad who was a football coach, um, so I've kind of been in a situation where it was both. I can take a butt you and and but then again, you want you want a guy that can kind of talk you up, kind of kind of bring you through some situations, put your hand on your back, kind of kind of motivate you in different type of situations. And Coach Palmer, I'll tell everybody this, you're going to know how you're going to be with Coach Palmer within about the first month that you're with him. You either get on his good side immediately or you're going to be on his bad side, and that's not the side you want to be on. And, and you can tell he was the kind of guy that if you're going to put in the work, if you're going to give it everything you got, you're going to be on his good side. And it was one of those things where he's, he's a tough love guy. He's going to chew your butt out when you need it and he's going to pick you up when you don't um, when you uh when you're uh when you need it that most too but i remember going into i think it was my red shirt freshman year we went to the lsu regional barry bowden was a freaking stud that year throwing against uno and that that regional and just shoved it and they were they could swing the sticks really well and then i came in i was having forearm problems and about the third or fourth inning i was cruising and then it just hit a wall and it's funny, I remember Coach Paul walking up to me and he goes, I knew I shouldn't have started a freaking freshman in this big game. I'm like, that's the exact thing I wanted to hear, man. Sugar-coated exactly. for the coach. Exactly. He was going to tell you exactly how you felt. Yeah. You either like it or you don't. You either get better or you don't. And that's just the kind of way he motivates you. I was fine with it. You know, Coach yeah. Paul was one of the best guys I've ever played for. Um, love him to death. Love Coach Barry to death. Um, but it's fortunate enough to play under both of them. Well, that was my next question. Um, what was the difference in him and Barry, or what are your thoughts on Scott Barry? Scott Barry is one of the best guys I've ever played for in my life. You know, after the game the other day, the regional game, I could have left, but the only thing I wanted to do was go talk to Coach Barry. Congratulate Coach Barry. More deserving than anybody ever been around. Uh, you know, he, he, he wants you to come into the program, be good at baseball, but he wants you to leave a man. He tries to make you in, into a better person than you are when you – got to the program and you know he's he's like a second dad to me i stay in touch with him all the time it's one of those things where i couldn't be more proud of a guy and more deserving man than, than the role he's playing right now in those kids lives and this team is special but the coaches he's he's the most special out of all of them he, he makes them click he pushes the buttons when they need to be pushed he, uh, he loves on them and you can see all the all the interviews you have with him you can tell that he loves those guys more than anything. He'll do anything for them, and he's he loves Southern Miss. He's a two-time guy. Absolutely. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of baseball players over the years, and I've never heard a single player say one negative thing about Scott Berry. You know, they you know they've always said, hey, he's he tells you the truth, tells you like it is, but he builds you up, he encourages you, he expects great things out of you. What's it like to have a coach that invests in you on the field and off the field? I mean, it's great. It makes it makes going to baseball every day enjoyable. I mean, you can play for guys who just stay on you all the time, and you wake up the next day and you're like, man, I don't want to go to the field today. You know, I've played for some guys like that before, but Coach Barry is one of the ones – he's one of the good ones. He's a play, He's a true player's coach. You know he's got you back no matter what happens. Um, he's just he's just there for you. On and off the field, you can text him at any hours of the night, and he's going to tell you, shoot you straight. He's going to love on you. He's going to tell you the, the hard decisions that you got to make and – just no matter what the situation is, he's got some kind of advice that's just going to help you along the way. And that's just the kind of guy he is. You'll never find somebody that's going to say anything bad about Coach Barry. I truly believe that. 
I, I really believe that too. All right, Todd, my last question, and then I'm going to shift it over to Lane and let him take over and ask you a few questions, is what do you think – I mean, obviously 2009 was phenomenal. It was a magical year. What do you think that this team right now has that the 2009 team might have been missing or vice versa? Uh, for sure, the pitching, the pitching staff. Uh, I think – I mean, you see teams that, 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 that are able to compete um, some of them got good start pitching. Some of them got good relievers. Some of them can swing the bat really well. But I think this team, pitching-wise, you've got starters, you got relievers, and you got closers. There's not a weakness anywhere in that game. Uh, and I, I don't know when it changed because when I was there, the average fastball was probably 88, 92. Now the average fastball is 94, 97. I don't know what changed in the game of baseball. I can't put my finger on it. But I know they got some studs that can freaking swing it. Um, they ain't no weedies. Oh, there ain't no doubt. But not only that, they got three or four pitches to go along with, and they can throw any right. pitch at any given count. And that just—I mean—you keep the hitter off balance in that, in that in that regard. If I'm sitting up there with just the fastball with no off-speed pitch working, I can go up there looking for one pitch. But these guys got three or four pitches they'll, that they're locating whenever they want to with a fastball that's 95, 97. They're going to blow right by them. So I think. If there's a difference between our team and their team, I think pitching-wise, I mean, they've got everything. They're, they're clicking on all cylinders, and they're hitting the ball. They're they're scoring runs at the right time, whether it's small ball or doing whatever they got to do to two out hits. But everything right now is just clicking for them, and I, I think they're just – they're a team. You can tell they, they care about each other. They're playing for each other. They're not playing for themselves. And very rarely you'll see a team come through like that that can play like that. That's awesome. Excellent. All right, Lane, I'm going to shift over to you, man. I know you got yeah, some questions got for him. Yeah, uh, Todd, as you were pitching, was there ever a pitcher you tried to imitate? Like, was there a pitcher you looked up to and you tried to, you know, mimic him in your game any? You know, there's one I always watch, and it's Greg Maddox. Now, granted, I don't throw pitches that move a foot and a half, but his location was always pretty phenomenal to me. And I knew coming in with a flat fastball at 88 to 91 miles an hour that if I didn't locate it in college, that thing was going to get hit a mile. And sometimes it did. <laughs> but uh, watching him just being able to mix speeds and locate the ball, it was just incredible. If a ball was hit back within two feet of him, he was catching it. He was always ready. I mean, you can see all the gold gloves that he won. It was fun just watching him manipulate hitters, even though, I mean, I wasn't necessarily anywhere close to being like him besides trying to locate a fastball and change up and all the breaking pitches like he was, but without the movement. But he's one of the ones that I just remember growing up, and it was just like amazement being able to watch he can watch what he can do with a baseball. Oh, yeah, I remember when all that stuff came out about people stealing signals. I think it was Greg mm-hmm. Maddox that said, I never worried about somebody stealing a signal. I'd tell you exactly what I was throwing. It's going to come off. I think he said it was going to be a cutter uh-huh. on the inside half of the plate, and you were going to stand there and watch it. Ain't no doubt. I mean, there is impossible for a left-handed hitter to fastball start behind you, and the day he ends up on the inside corner, there ain't nothing you can do about it. Yeah. All right. Well, are, can you share any funny stories from whenever you play? This can be road trip stories. You know, Colin shared one last week about having to do karaoke on a bus, or it can be just funny stories at the ballpark, any – you got any stories you want to share with us? Huh? I could probably think of, let's see, probably two of them. Now, it's funny now. The first one's funny now, but looking back, it wasn't funny at all. So I'm a freshman, 135 pounds, soaking wet. First weekend 
of the season. I go out there. I think it's a tournament. I can't remember. I know I walked out and somebody else is playing, and I sit there looking. I'm like, the third baseman's a giant. I'm like, I'm five foot nine. This dude's six foot four, 220, looking like a giant. And then you fast track two days later, we're playing Louisville. They're chirping, we're chirping. They got a big lead. We come all the way back, and the next thing you know, we cross the home plate. Somebody says something, and the dang bench is clear. And here I am, 135 pounds, looking around like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? <laughs> so I run out there. I try to pull people off, checking left and right, making sure I'm not about to get cold cocked by somebody. And that thing lasted, I swear, for 10 minutes, and people are everywhere. And looking back on it, I'm like, that was incredible. That was great. If Was that the Coca-Cola Classic when Trace Sutton slid into yes. home? And y'all playing Louisville, yes, maybe? that was my third yes. college game I'd ever been involved wow. with. I remember that. Boy, like, that, that really got you introduced to college ball, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm about to start eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches 20 times a <laughs> night. take some boxing I lessons if this is how this is about to start going. <laughs> Ain't no doubt. Like, this is what college. Yeah, Trey was ready. Trey was ready with that catcher, man. Man, it was crazy. That game was back and forth the whole time. It, it was. was. It's fun atmosphere. It just maybe not ended up like that. But yeah, that's one of the ones. And then uh, junior year, not sure what I thought that this was a good idea, but trying to make a statement. So I shaved my face, left my mustache, went to Walmart, got just for me and Jet Black. <laughs> you know, I read the box. It says, I don't remember how long it says to keep the stuff on your mustache, but I'm like, I want it to be real jet black. So I'm going to leave it on there a little bit longer. Left it on too long. It burnt my skin above my lip. Like bad. I'm like, this is bad. So it's jet, I mean, it's jet black, but behind it, you got these big old red spots where it's completely burned my face. So then from then on, I did it next year. I left it on exactly how long it said on the box. Awful look. I feel <laughs> Colin wouldn't even. Colin wouldn't even. I don't know if Colin could have grown. Is that what happened to Colin's hair? <laughs> Did he do the same thing? Yeah, you know, I think Colin might just got some bad genes. <laughs> I feel like I remember but, you having a mustache for. Oh, it was I'm during football season or during baseball season, wasn't it? Yeah, every, for my junior year and senior year, I think right before the conference tournament started every year. Yeah, I shaved everything, left the mustache, tried to make a fashion statement. So my wife looks at pictures and she's like, dude, I don't know what you're thinking, but that is atrocious. <laughs> Were you dating your wife back then? Like, did y'all know each other back then? No, I met her probably my third year at Brandon. Oh, okay. Um, she knew, she knew a guy that I was coaching with. They went to high school together. We met that and through that. Cool. So, but yeah, another thing, I don't, and this is my, B.A. Valmuth, I don't know if y'all ever had a conversation with B.A. Valmuth, but he is a, just a different bird. So we all hang out. I'm going home with BA one night. So he's driving this old car and he's coming up to his house. And I'm thinking, oh, his dude's about to slow down. He doesn't slow down. Next thing you know, I see him pull the parking brake, swing the wheel, and we're hightailing it, stitching right into the road, sliding up in his driveway. And I'm like, is this how you come up in here every time? He's like, yeah, that's my favorite part of coming home. The dude just pulls cool. a parking brake on going about 30 miles an hour and just wheels it up in his driveway. I'm like, yeah, no sense. Yeah, no, yeah, no burning. Living on the edge a little bit. So, always. Dude hit some jacks, though. Oh, yeah. He can hit yeah. a baseball now. 
right. Couldn't tell one, but he can hit one now. <laughs> I hope BA's listening to this in a couple weeks. We'll make sure he sends it to him. We'll make sure we send it to him. All right, so how did you prepare each week going into a game, like in terms of scouting your opponent or, you know, watching film or anything like that? Todd, how did you prepare? It's a little different with you than it was with, like, Colin, a reliever last week we talked to. You knew when you were starting, and you knew kind of what to expect. So what was it you did to prepare yourself for those games? You know, in college, you always have the scouting report. And I know about it a lot more now because I was a volunteer for one year at Southern. So I was able to put those things together. But looking back, you would always have those three or four hitters that you would want to know tendencies big time, the ones that could hurt you, not the ones necessarily that'll get on base, but the ones that are going to knock those guys in. So you would always see what they like in certain situations, certain counts. But, you know, it all goes back to your starting pitcher. Every day you go out there, you're not going to have your best stuff. So it was more of trying to figure out what I was working with that day that I was going to help myself get in situations and try to get out of certain situations against hitters. Not so much as the scouting report, but whether or not I was going to have all four pitches working that day or if I was sitting up there working with two of them. And, and I always tell my guys that on a good day, you got two pitches working. On a great day, you got three of them. Very rarely you're going to have all four. So you've got to learn how to pitch when things aren't going your way. So it was not much as a scout report for me was. It was more of what did I have working that day and how I was going to use it to get their better hitters out. Okay. I got you. Focus more on yourself than who you're up against. Yeah, I and mean, I've learned a lot of scout reports now being around football coaches all the time and, I, and them watching film all the time. You didn't really have film back in the day with baseball. You were just – I mean, you're, you're basically talking to coaches that they played that you're trying to get some information from. But then again, you're, what was he facing that day when he had three hits? Was he facing a righty throwing 95 or was he facing a lefty throwing 85? Yeah. It's just hard to figure out how those guys that he's been facing compare to me. So it was more of I'm going to have to figure out what I got that day and use it to the best of my ability. Right. Well, Todd, you mentioned earlier about your size. You were – you know, you were a little undersized, especially going into college and stuff. But something I always mm-hmm. admired when I watched you pitch was you gave everything you had in the tank every time you pitched. I feel like anybody mm-hmm. who watched you pitch could say that. That's why, you know, I said at the start of the of the show, this, this guy is one of my favorite pitchers all time at Southern Miss. It's just because I appreciate seeing people just gut it out out there and give everything they got. Oh, yeah. And I felt like we got mm-hmm. that from you every time, uh, every time you pitched. And so as a starter, my question is, how how did you manage your pitch count? And when you got to going deep into those starts and that count ran up, how did you manage to push yourself through that? You know, fatigue sets in, maybe you start losing your spots. What was it you did to stay dialed in to give us those extra few innings late in the game? Yeah, as a starting pitcher, it's it's important to leave some in the tank. Um, as a reliever, you can come in, throw the piss out of it for one or two innings, and you're done. But as a starter, your your job is to go as deep in the game as you can to save the bullpen for the rest of the weekend. And being able to pitch a lot of the times on Friday, the Friday guy, you're trying to you're trying to go deep so they can you have the full bullpen for Saturday and Sunday if needed. And you know, some days it worked well, and some days. <laughs> 
you had to gut through it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, I tried to, to just stay locked in as best I can. But the biggest thing that I've, I learned as my career went on was to quit worrying about the strikeouts and try to get early contact. Um, if you're trying to get a guy out first three pitches, you're going to be able to pitch for a good while throughout a game. But if you're going for strikeout after strikeout, pitch counts going to build up and then we're going to have to go to the bullpen. So my job was, I tried to find early contact, whether that was with a, a fastball located well or uh, pitching behind with an off-speed pitch, trying to get some soft contact to one of the infielders. But the biggest thing was, yeah, trying to keep the pitch count down, trying to go deep in the games and just being competitive, trying to give your team a chance to win late in the game. Um, and that's what I tried to do. You know, I always played with the great defense behind me. And when you have confidence that your guys are going to make plays behind you, it's a lot easier to try to try to go after that contact instead of trying to strike everybody out. Right. And do you, do you find yourself, so like the last two questions, preparing each week and then being able to manage yourself and control yourself as a starting pitcher to stretch yourself out, are you able to relay that to these high school kids really well, like better than most would be, I guess, because you can honestly walk up there and say, look, guys, I've lived this. I know this. Yeah, and and, and the good thing about it was, Knowing the high school hitters or high school pitchers now, if you got a guy that's been there, been in the in the trenches doing what you're trying to tell him to do, it's it's kind of more relatable for him than a guy that's not got the experience, whether it is what it is. But for my guys, I just try to tell them if you're pitching sitting up here without confidence, if you don't believe in yourself, if you have self doubt, the last place you want to be is sixty foot, six inches away on a pitcher's mound. Doubt creeps in. You're not confident in yourself. You're not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be your best. So the biggest thing, especially when I go out there for a mound visit, it's not going out there to get on a pitcher. It's going out there to try to build confidence in them. Trying to tell them there ain't nobody that I would want on this mound more than you right now. And everybody believes in you. You got to believe in yourself. The biggest thing of self doubt is once it creeps in, it's hard to get it out. So I just try to build confidence in these pitchers. Try to build confidence in these young kids because it's so easy for them to to get down on themselves, to think about the pitch before when you can't do anything about it. Um, I try to tell them to pitch off that, the last pitch. If it was a ball, try to use it to your advantage on the next pitch. Try to set a hitter up. And, that, and that's the funnest part of my job being a pitching coach now is trying to manipulate high school hitters. So you're trying to get into the head of a hitter, thinking about what they're thinking about is coming this next pitch, and we're going to try to do the opposite. And it is – Man, it's fun at times, and it's frustrating as as heck at times too, dealing with these these high school kids. But you know, you get them as a freshman or seventh and eighth grader, and by the time they graduate, they're just figuring out. Man, I understand what you're talking about now, and it's always cool to to be able to see that transition for them. Awesome. Well, here's the biggest question of the night to me, the one I've been kind of can't wait to hear. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night. We want to release this the week of the College World Series because you started the first ever game for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Can you can oh, yeah. you walk us through that day? Like, what do you remember from that day or or that start or anything leading up to that? What do you remember from that experience in Omaha being the first ever starting pitcher for us in, in Rosenblatt Stadium? Okay, so first off, before we get to that day, the opening ceremonies is probably something that I'll never forget. You know, they have every team walk in from the outfield. Stands are full of people. 
you get to walk out with your fights on playing with your teammates and just getting to video that whole thing and experience it. Man, that was freaking awesome. Uh, I'll never forget that part. But then you get to the day you're about to pitch, and strangely enough, I've always gotten a little bit nervous before a start. But for some reason that day, I didn't. I wasn't nervous. Even getting out there in front of the crowd, I wasn't nervous just because I knew we had prepared for this moment and we had earned this moment for our university, for our team, for each other. And being out there to step up on the mound uh, against Texas, one of those programs that has defined themselves, that have been in that moment before, and here we are, Southern Miss being the first time. But we never backed down. You know, we competed the whole game. Um, first thing I remember was hanging a slider to our four hole in the first inning. They put up two, I think. I'm like, all right, those nerves are, it's time to settle in. All right. Um, and then being able to compete and uh, settle in a little bit and get later into the game to give us a chance. And we were there late in the game. And, and what an atmosphere it was being able to just compete with them and, and have them there. And we thought we had them beat and some things went wrong. And, uh, but to be able to to get there and experience that is something I'll never forget. I know the teammates will not want either. Oh yeah, we had them in the corner that game. We had them. We had oh, their yeah. backs up against the wall, and they Texas found a way to get out of it. Maybe experience they or did. something like that played to their favor. But we we gave them right. everything they wanted and then some that night for sure. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And I, I was sitting next to a buddy, and we were sitting in. Um, outfield and i looked at him i said you know bo davis is leading off if i was bo davis i'd swing the first pitch and see if i hit it out and that dude jacked one and i feel like he hit it 15 miles <laughs> but it, the park held it though and so i mean it was crazy yep. I mean, that's for sure and that's a lot of stuff i remember about that was those dang orange stealth bats i don't know if y'all remember those but them dang things were like trampoline effects. oh yeah i remember bo davis in gainesville regional he hit one one-handed off his front foot, and the thing went about 450. About like hitting a golf ball. I ain't doubt. <laughs> Every time you swung it, it got a little bit better each time you made contact. Yeah. Well, Todd, that's all the that's all the questions I've got for tonight, man. I've enjoyed the heck out of this, and every, me too, brother. Hey, our listeners, guys, and Southern Miss fans. We need to be keeping up with the Brandon Bulldogs now, huh? We got a, a former Golden oh, yeah. Eagle great there. Actually, we got two of them. Aren't you coaching with another yeah. Golden Eagle great over there? Oh, yeah. Daniel Best is the head coach there. He graduated Daniel right before Best. I got there in 07. He's been there for about four years now. So he's a good one, huh? He knows what he's doing. He's He loves the kids. He He's passionate about what he does, and he's brought some good things over there to Brandon his last four or five years there. I've enjoyed working with him. Everyday Eagle listeners, if Brandon High School's baseball team comes nearby, we need to go try to catch a ball game and see these Golden Eagle greats, you know, doing their thing out there coaching. So, Oh, yeah. That's awesome, Ty. Thank you so much for your time tonight, man. This was fun. I got I got some good info from you, get some, some good insight from you, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Man, I appreciate y'all having me. I'm, I'm going to be in Hattiesburg this weekend. Hopefully I'll run into Oh, y'all. absolutely. We'd love to see you again, man. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Todd, for joining us. And as always, thank you to Pate Fagger for making us sound and look good. We couldn't do any of this without him. Um, and as always, Southern Miss. To the top. top. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit everydayeaglespodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles Podcast. Touchdown!